Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Imagine a world where girls are properly initiated into their first bleed, where mothers and daughters talk freely and openly about their bodies, and where women care for themselves and each other outside the lens of medical pathology. We can have this world, but we can't do it without you. Kristen Hauser and Nancy Lucina are bringing the first ever Blood Mystery School to Freebirth Society this winter a four-month journey alchemizing the sacred and the science of the power of the womb. You will learn how to properly initiate and reinitiate women and girls through powerful rites of passage, support the women in your community through cycle issues, womb pain, and hormonal imbalances, and take a deep dive into the spiritual and energetic components of our blood mysteries. If you are a birth keeper, an energy healer, a postpartum worker, an herbalist, this school is for you. And if you're a woman wanting to dive deep into your own healing for you and your lineage, this school is for you. If you are ready to be a part of the generation of women healing the hormonal chaos and womb trauma that runs rampant in our female bodies, head over to bloodmysteryschool.com and enroll today. We begin February 2nd. Today I'm talking with licensed midwife turned radical birthkeeper Kimmy Birthjoy Johnson. After two traumatic hospital births of her own and nearly four decades of pursuing medical midwifery, Kimmy was faced with the harsh realities of the medical system over and over again and decided to remove herself from it for her sake and the sake of the women that she served. In this episode, we talk about the modern-day witch hunt of traditional midwives by the medical industry, what it looks like to serve women in integrity, and how women like Kimmy are reclaiming the word midwife all over the world. All right, welcome, welcome. It's so good to be here, Emily. Try, try not to over smile, but I just love, I, I just love your fire. I love it. I love your fire. I, I've loved it, and Thank so um, I'm always telling people who have who have the slightest idea about what maternity services is actually about. And so what you need to start doing first before you're pregnant is just you need to add yourself to Free Birthing Society, Free Birth Society, and you need to just. You need to see all the twin pregnancies and the breech babies falling out of women. You need to see that because it's a reset. It's a reset, Um, a very necessary one. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. You you probably saved lives. You probably saved lives. You've at least saved sanity, marriages, perineums. You know, there's... I, I'm I'm thinking you've saved lives for sure. I yeah, that. yeah, that should yeah. be my new tagline. <laughs> I tell you, if you're very, very good. If you're very, very good, I'll get you a T-shirt that says it. Oh my if God. You're very good. <laughs> That's, That's funny. Okay, so I heard a little bird told me that you were once an accountant. 
tell me tell me accountant the so head towards accountancy was the my reflex it was my safety mechanism because i'd had a, a, a dreamy kind of weird woo woo dream when i was 15 that i needed to be a midwife i didn't know what it was so oh. I, I i heard no i didn't so i heard my mum was still mute about her birth so you can imagine how harmed my mother was she oh. she still couldn't talk about it so and so we did we didn't know i didn't know what a midwife was or anything and then so i went and looked it up i was i was on quite a good trajectory at that time my you know my parents had worked bloody hard and supported me and i'd got a scholarship for a private school and so i was having an amazing education and and was one of two black girls in the whole school yeah, in london wow. there's about a thousand girls in this school it's a girl's school wow. and there's just two black girls so so um so my my parents had worked very hard to give me this education my dad had a view on me being a doctor so i looked up what a midwife was and then i said oh dad huge huge gear shift i'm going to be a midwife instead he said, oh, no, no, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be an obstetrician. So I said, oh, no, no, no. So definitely not going to be that. So I, I'm going to be a midwife. So we had a big falling out over it. And I dug my heels yeah. in. I know, because I, I, he was my first love. So his his voice carried a lot of weight, right? So, um, so I said, okay, I won't do what my dad doesn't want me to do, but I'm certainly not going to be an obstetrician because I know what they're about. I'm gonna be an accountant. So that was my, that's, so I did. Cause you can't, I took midwifery very seriously. I take childbirth very seriously and I knew how enormous it was. So we're in that situation. I decided instead to be an accountant because at that time I couldn't keep a plant alive. And I wasn't certain that I was really gonna be a very safe pair of hands at childbirth. So I went into accountancy instead, really loved it. And, um, but, the calling kept coming. So yeah, I go to college and I start my training with ACCA, which is a, a financial accounting, um, higher education. So I'm doing all of that and I'm running a small, um, team and it's all going very, very well. I have my babies, absolute systemically racist fiasco. What happened? And, uh, but I, but we're alive. And at that time, I, I kind of knew something wasn't quite right. So for the second pregnancy, I still wasn't quite with it. And I took my laboring body without my husband, that time my ex-husband, because he, to me, he assisted them to sabotage my health and that of my son. I was 24. Okay. I was a very fit, healthy, 39 week, 24 year old, newly married, with a little basketball bump at the front, growing beautifully baby. And I skipped into, I literally skipped into my 39 week appointment and they went, oh, your blood pressure's raised. I think you need to have an induction. Yeah. And I didn't ask a single question. I didn't say how, how does it work? What do I do or whatever? I thought they'd give me a pill and I'd sneeze and catch a baby. Wow. So I thought. Yeah, well, and I know. Imagine that someone of a calling as a midwife is—is is that naive? And I went. But also, why would you know any different? But this is why I would like if ah, uh, I, I I would call them colleagues, but I'm no longer a midwife, which you'll hear about later on. So, um, I I just very upset that people with so much power would not be more transparent. Uh, or would not give the information rather than have it having to be hauled out of you. Because what I've noticed, you kind of haul this information out of them and they just give you inaccurate information. Now, when I say they, I'm just talking about the majority. You know, there's there's going to be people that say, oh, not all midwives. Oh, Kemi, how could you say that? Uh, there are going to be the gems. There are the gems within the system, but they're just the minority. It's, it's clear. It's clear that they're the minority. And it's, so, it's, almost, it's almost irrelevant because they still 
not only work for the system and participate in enabling said system, but as yeah. the consumer slash mother, we don't yeah. know who the gems are. We don't know the gems. Because everyone acts like they're the fucking unicorns and then you that's go right. in and you get abused. So and you really find out that they're not. Yeah, I know. That, that's why I use the term wolves in sheep's clothing a lot. It's all very offensive to some people, but... Okay. <laughs> Everything I do is offensive to someone. Oh, all right. <laughs> absolutely and and that's to me that's worse i'd rather you were just straight up look i'm a midwife look i i'm i'm my agenda is about my employer it's not about you women just say it just wear a t-shirt and then i know where i stand when i come in with my big belly can't see my feet I agree. I've said that a lot, you know, on the show and, and, and behind closed doors that in many ways, I think that the, the lying midwife is more hurtful than the like creepy OB because you expect woman to woman care and support betrayal that's wrapped up. That's the word. And that's the word I hadn't used until about a year ago when I realized, oh, that's, that's actually what we're doing. Because at least your guard's up when you go to an obstetrician, if you know anything about the birth world, which I didn't at 24 and 26. At least at 26, I had the sense to know, okay, so you think you're going back to a safe place, but at least don't let them touch you. And so they couldn't touch me. And then in the end, I gave birth to my second son with my back pressed against the door to keep out the midwife because she'd left the room for a minute. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're not happy births they're not they're not the ones that i facilitate or the ones when i say facilitate i'm i'm michelle O'Donnell's right we just got to not mess it up so so the births that i'm present at that i don't fuck up they you know That's your business card not fucking up i might put it on my business card. that's literally all i have to do is just don't fuck it up i know it's not that hard by the way it's not really not that hard <laughs> i had a student recently ask me how do I not fuck up births? Like, how do yeah. I not do what everyone does? And I was like, it's not hard. It's really not hard. Just sit there and shut up. That's yeah. what my daughter-in-law told me to do. They put the t- telephone in the bed and said, but you're not allowed to speak. <laughs> it's like, fine, yeah. And her birth went really well, okay? She just wanted to know that her mother-in-law was nearby, That's yeah? Sweet. But... But that's all it takes. And and this is what I love about your movement because it's it's a big fuck you to the whole of the obstet somebody called it beautiful Yolanda. Did she call it the industrial obstetric complex the other day? Yeah. <laughs> um it, it is because yeah. women are just so oh are juicily powerful and when left alone do spectacular things so if they do invite us to be present because they we seem to hold that feeling of safety for them the the best we can do to honor them is do nothing be quiet um be in the corner of the room be out of the room you know we just need to give them what they want but no more than that And I totally, and I do find that the more for me, the more I've attended births as the authentic midwife, the more I've learned how to trust myself and the more I've learned actually how to trust birth, which is such a overused, like exploited term. But for me to actually learn the terrain of undisturbed primal wild birth, I've actually found in some ways, now that I trust myself, I can do more and yeah. I can say more and I can touch more and I can take more initiative. But yeah. it, Yolanda talks about this concept of being, being responsible to, not for the woman, yes. you know, being yeah. responsible to her. Because yeah. a lot of women, when they come to me wanting to attend births outside the system, they have this idea that they're not supposed to exist in the room. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know what, until you figure out how to be, maybe you should just play it that right. way. That's right. Because if you like think you're a doula that needs to do rebozos every five seconds, like get over yourself, sit in the corner. Yeah. But once you yeah. go through the initiations yeah. to actually show up in the room, 
Yeah. That's when it gets really fun because you can trust yourself to speak and touch and move and shift the energy in that kind of shamanic way when it's it's not ever when it's not needed. And there's no way to rush learning Mm. that. That takes messing up so much. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so painful. When like I was on the register, you know, and a, a reasonably experienced midwife, when I when I cast my mind back to two major cups, major, um, and so that's why I had to just put my head in my hands because you're so right, and I think we need that humility to do that walk. But that's another reason why I say a lot about. I think I think originally birth keeping was always about apprenticeship, mm-hmm. and you could kind of learn with somebody who's very 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 experienced so that at least you're with somebody who can save your fuck ups so you know for the sake of the woman yeah not not for our sake we just have to have the pain but for the woman and the baby's sake so i'm really big on this idea of apprenticeship i'm really big but not apprenticeship for midwifery because i I think midwifery has been is it's been messed up. I, I can't even call it that anymore. I call myself a birth keeper and I'm really happy with that term. And uh, it, it sits well with me. So I think we need to be apprenticing each other with that so that if we do mess up, the, the woman and the baby don't have to suffer our mess ups, that there'll be somebody there to rescue the situation, if you get what I mean. Of course, yeah. Um, and in, um, in spite of, or what's the right word, in lieu of having that, right? Because yeah most women in my field, you know, they want an apprentice, an apprenticeship so badly, but it doesn't exist because it's only medical midwives and who wants that. So we have to become, I love you. (laughs) Oh, been there, done that. I mean, I did a medical midwifery apprenticeship. It was awful. Um, I did it for years. Yeah. Anyway, but we have to become the mentors that the yeah. next generation of birth keepers yeah. can apprentice with, you know, yeah, and that's that's, I, it's kind of the awkward piece of, we have, we have this online midwifery school, which is kind of an yeah. oxymoron in some, in yeah. some respects. Um, we're not bringing women to birth, which obviously everyone's aware of that, but we've got to start somewhere. We yeah. have to just get out there and start doing it because we are going to mentor women eventually. I mean, I, I bring women to births, but I'm just one person, you know, yeah. we have yeah, to, I agree. yeah, it's yeah. Kind of an awkward time in the revolution. It is an awkward time, but I, I still feel that we're on time because the attention of the birthing population does seem to be more on birth keepers, you know, yeah. um, giving birth outside of the system than it ever was before and and this um i i call always call it a situation with a virus is um it, it it's one of the silver linings i think being able to see the subterfuge in that world is enabling people to see that actually it's the whole of medicine it's not just that so it is, i would say it's fairly I feel embarrassed that it had to get this bad for humanity to even try on, you know, like how bad did we have to have our babies treated in the system? You know, it's so painful. And I'm not saying that judgmentally to women. No, no, I did it. I, 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 I did it. I did it. Everyone does. So, you know, but my children don't do necessarily harm because right. of my choices. So there you go. But I guess know. if it's, it really does just come down to, well, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. And That's right. if you traumatize a woman and then put her into survival mode alone with mm. a newborn, yep. what is she going to do? Yeah, that's right. And then she's knocked up two years later. What is she going to fucking yeah. do? She's not enough to like that's break right. that chain. I mean, I, right. in some respects, she could be resourced enough because women are breaking the chain, but <sighs> it's complicated. It is complicated. The, the, the solution is very simple. Right. 
it's also not complicated. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but it's a complicated situation we're in because we have been groomed to have our power outside of ourselves. Yeah, and, the, and, and you know, my daughter's, my daughter-in-law's, one of her favourite terms, that she just coins it beautifully, outsourcing. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, we've been groomed to outsource our health, our love lives, you know, yeah. our fertility. Our... So, um, she, you know, she she has taken her power back fully. And she started that process um, before she became pregnant. Like, it was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And then when she became pregnant, it's, it was like a, a huge, oh, I get it. And her mothering, you just go, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, she's the epitome of somebody who takes responsibility. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think we're, you know, I, I, I am now there, but she's done it in half the time. I, I think, I think we, we hope, right? We are revolving. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's what we hope, isn't it? We are evolving. And, um, you know, my sons are magnificent. You know, it's like you said, um, my, how I, my beginnings are part of the story and do, and, and do explain why I have the, the, stance, the stance that I do. So I was skipping along, really healthy. They suggested that I should end my pregnancy. I didn't ask a single question. I went home, packed a case, skipped back in, was very excited to meet my baby. Three days later, he was cut out of my abdomen. No! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real deal. The real induction cascade. Right, Yeah. 50%. Yeah. And then obviously I still hadn't learnt my lesson enough. So I then went and and had him jabbed with everything on the list of jabs. <laughs> and in the same year that they were hiding the evidence that DTAP and or MMR um, is associated with autism in black boys. So they were hiding that whilst I was injecting my son of the poison. So, you know, I, I, I personally for me, like, I saw that I saw the truth straight away. It took me another twenty years to really get back, um, to get my power back. And so when I'm when I'm suggesting to people to reclaim their power, it's not it's not something that I haven't had to do myself. Yeah, I've, I've had to I've had to be healed. You know, I didn't look at my cesarean scar for ten years. I didn't touch oh. it or look at it. Wow. Yeah. With your second baby, did he come out of your vagina? Yeah, he came out of my vagina, but under those circumstances. Remember, my back was against the door. I was screaming. He was born and I passed out. So he's still, yeah. So apparently I hemorrhaged. So I still, I still don't, I, 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 I have reconciled with my birthing stories I've now thankfully really gone for the deep work and, you know, understand my mum's story of birthing me, her being born, you know, what, where my grandmother was at, you know, going back through the generations. I understand, I, I get it and I'm, I finally have peace. But the reason, like somebody mistook the edge on my, on my attitude and my postings and my voice. They mistook it as me still being in pain. I said, oh, no, 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 I've, I've had this conversation. I've done my work I've, I've, and I'm still, the work is still manifesting. My sons absolutely know, they're just so proud of me and what I'm doing and, and behind it because they were the result of maternity iatrogenesis. Yeah. They had to walk back to health as a result of that. So, you know, I imagine, you know, I'd, I'd um, collapsed apparently and I'd hemorrhaged. And then when I woke up, they'd already given my newborn child, my second one, 90 mils of formula. Wow. 90 mils. Right. So I just, I just, I just said, well, and I stayed in the hospital because I was very anemic. I was anemic before I had him. Um, I stayed in the hospital and I said, I'm just gonna stay here in this room. So I commandeered a room. I said, I'm gonna stay here. And me and him are just gonna keep doing this until he breastfeeds. So of course he'd had 90 mils of cow juice and then was very resistant to my colostrum because he'd already had the big guns as far as he was concerned. But anyway, on the third day, he was breastfeeding and then my milk came in on the fourth day 
um i was very stressed it took a while to come in and um then it came in and then we were flying we breastfed for two years but i'm sorry to bring that in but i just want to say the steps to reclaiming our power are small and painful and we sometimes have to recover between each step but it's still endlessly worth it and the reason why i have my voice today isn't because i'm hurt and pissed off and angry we've resolved that it's because every single day every single day women are contacting me who have been treated the same if not worse uh -huh. than i was treated 30 years ago that's why i'm angry that's why i'm shrill yeah yes yeah i mean it's actually insane that everyone isn't talking about this all the time <laughs> yes. you know because we all get born you know this yeah. isn't a woman's issue this isn't a no. mother's issue we're all fucking born and yeah. almost every baby mother baby are being violated that's right like literally that's right so at what point after let's go with the second one or even with your first baby like at what point do you start to put the pieces together of what the hell just happened and how abusive it was and and you know arguably unnecessary it is necessary within the system but as a whole human being of course not, none of that was necessary um you know, like what, what does it look like in those early years? Is there anyone validating your experience? Are you alone? Are you mothering primarily alone? And like, at what point do you start to have this awakening to the truth? I mean, I, I assume, you know, it in your bones. Pretty yeah, I, I knew it in my bones. Um, I knew that I descended like every single woman until me had given birth vaginally mm. there wasn't a single cesarean in my entire line of thousands of women i knew that because otherwise i wouldn't have been here yeah my mum was born in lagos nigeria she's Sierra Leonean, which is another west african country but she was born in lagos nigeria um everything was vaginal 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 so I had such a, an amazing amount of shame. Mm. I, I can't tell you. And, and, and I, if a woman's in front of me and she's feeling ashamed of her cesareans, I want to shake her because I said, God, shame? No way. Like your body was on a, on a theater table. You allowed yourself to be cut open for, a little, for another little human. It's amazing. But for some reason, all I could feel at that time was huge shame. My ex-husband at the time didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want me to talk about it. Well, would laugh at me. Whoa! Only because he was immature. Yeah, just thought it was ridiculous that I should consider that a baby should come out of my vagina just like all the women <sighs> that I descended from over thousands of years. Yeah, so couldn't get it didn't there was no space to talk about it no one else wanted to talk about it oh at least you've got a healthy baby you know if you were to say to a man who you know who couldn't have an erection oh don't worry about it that's all right we'll just hold it up for you you know there'd be an outcry be an outcry if 50 percent of men couldn't have an erection be an outcry yeah but apparently we're supposed to just be really quiet just really really grateful at least you've got a healthy baby you know just be quiet and get on with it did it did it did any part of that like like how how much did you did you suffer in that in being gaslit by everyone like if you're aware i'm trying to imagine it you know like how aware are you because I, I mean so many women don't question it and that's mm -hmm. how they survive which i get you know it 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 it's harder to question it. It's harder to really feel what was taken. Yeah. Obviously the other side of that is power, but it's so painful. So, so painful. So how like, do you start to, yeah. Of every waking thought, every decision you're going to make, you second guess because you say, well, couldn't really get a baby out. Could you, you know, 
that's basic so so because it didn't it didn't occur to me the sabotage until it was around until my my eldest child was 10. Wow. that's that's when i realized yeah yeah it honestly it took a decade for the penny to drop and then it took a decade another decade to talk about it it's so deep it's so deep um and it's just it's just endlessly painful it it killed my marriage absolutely killed my marriage and it took me ages to make eye contact with my newborn so just you know in the short term i just couldn't look him in his eyes until he's about six weeks old mm. and I, I don't know it was just I, just a huge amount of shame and especially because i was descended from you know my heritage is is slavery like my mum my mum was Sierra Leonean, but a tribe called creole so creole basically so they were the returned slaves to africa so the, uh, repatriation was offered and my mum was amongst my mum's ancestors our ancestors were amongst those that chose to go back to africa um and then my dad is barbadian so basically my dad's family never left the plantation mm. so so you you've got you've got that happening mm. knowing all the women in my lineage right. we gave birth in a barn with no food pressed up against other slaves mm. yeah that's that's how they gave birth and then realizing emily that that was better right well, than what i chose totally <sighs> this is a massive amount of feelings i've had mm -hmm. and thoughts etc so when i see people fight their way in tears to their power now makes me cry every time i'm always i'm always crying but it's a joy cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so 10 years to talk about it so internally you're working it out you're questioning it you're putting the pieces together when do you start to actively learn about birth and the system and, and all of that yeah. Yeah, really good question. So it was when my before I even spoke about my own pain and trauma, I knew I needed to work it out by helping other women. So when my eldest was seven, so this is before I started talking about it, I started being a doula. So he's 30 now. Okay, so um, I started being a doula. And it was at night because I needed my income during the day I was a single parent. And um, I needed a full income and then when I couldn't earn it outside of the home anymore because I used to miss my boys so badly just honestly the pain so by the time my eldest was five I had to leave working outside of the home so I had a little office and was doing accounting for small businesses in the office small charities actually and um, and so I could manage my own my own time better so i started being a doula at night because i knew i could just sleep during the day and stuff so i'd be around most babies wanted to come at night so it was it was working really well and then i started to notice a lot of unnecessary happening so i was giddy about being in the birth room because i felt like i was coming home and then i started to notice unnecessary things happening to women um most of the clients i had were black women they'd be having midwives that wouldn't give them eye contact or look at them or answer their questions properly you know and so i said oh god i've got to do something about this and um and so then um i was i was doing a stint kind of managing a small office of accounts people like payroll and things like that and having a whale of a time really great fun and then uh, so I was acting up in that role for my finance manager who'd gone on a long, a long sabbatical, about six weeks somewhere. And so she said, could you wait in the office for me to come back from the airport? So she called me when she was at the airport. She said, could you wait in the office? I should be there by seven. Then we can just do a quick handover. Then you can take tomorrow off. So it's brilliant. So I waited in and I don't know what happened. I think I had a lot of time to reflect on, yeah, this has been a really great time. I've had a really great time, but the calling was so strong. So by the time she walked into the office, I was 
the housing tears. Like she, she was going, what? She couldn't get me to stop crying. And I said, and she goes, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I said, I have to be a midwife. She said, well, just go on then. She's <laughs> just like, it And so I, I did a two month flight working to the end of that contract and they gave me a wonderful send off. And then I started my midwifery training. Mm. And um, so I started my midwifery training. And then by the second year, Emily, I was in hell because I'd done a stint on labor wards. Uh, and heard all the mutilation and abuse that was happening. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, oh, it was just, um, it was very triggering for me. And I did look like someone that was unraveling. And so I took a few months out and tried to have counseling, but it's not a counseling issue. I was being vicariously abused basically. And, um, I mean, the so, whole, so many women do this. So many women, yeah. are abused in the system and then think that their healing path will be to go back into that same system and be different for the women. And like, that makes, it makes sense until you try it. And then you realize really it it's like, it's such a, it's like a, it's a well-intended unsustainable move. I know. And, and when you put it like that, Emily, you know, like saying, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. And I get it. I totally I, get, I, it. I get it. But I would still say I, I probably knew from before I went on the register that I probably would not be able to stay on it. And well, I say I was wondering with your birth work, when did you when did you see your birth? Like when when did you see the induction into C-section? Oh yeah. So I, I saw that when he was around 20. So I'd already started. Um, yeah, I was already on the register. But sadly, it's so, it's so weird because I, I don't know why it took for me. I needed to be on the register, become an independent midwife, sit in births unfolding by themselves again and again. That's when the full, hit came but it was okay because i'd already done most of the work and i'd forgiven myself and i'd sought forgiveness of my children and i'd been modeling something different and they were believing something better about women and their ability to birth because i gave birth to two sons you know it really mattered I, I really wanted to make sure that the citizens that i'd brought into the world were helpful not a hindrance yeah and, and, on, and yeah. yeah really you know if i'm gonna bring people here come on yeah, let's take it all away. I don't want to add to the problem. Okay, <laughs> so so they are magnificent men. They are magnificent kings. Wow, without a shadow of doubt. And I, and in every respect, even to how they support childbirth, even to what they think of a woman's ability to birth, they are magnificent. And I'm feel I I. I, I would love to take all the credit, but I'm guessing they've come with that calling as well. I don't know. They're just amazing physiological birth advocates. They do. Their eyebrows fly off their hairline. If their friends say that they're, that they're having, they're giving birth and it's not at home, their eyebrows literally fly <laughs> off of their head. <laughs> and they start pleading with them. They start pleading with them. Do both of your sons have children? One of them does, okay. but the other one, it's like a, a, a done deal. I was on the phone when my younger one came into the house and I said, and he was wanting to talk to me. I said, no, I said, Fats is having the baby. And he goes, but you're here. And I said, I oh, know the baby's yeah. coming now. There's nothing I could do. And he said, so they're not going into hospital. Like it was terrified. I said, no, yeah. no, darling, they're at home. <laughs> How old is he, the younger one? He's 28. Is he single? Oh, oh no, sadly not. <laughs> a lot of women that are looking for a physiological birth. Well, sadly not. <laughs> no, he's he's just something else. Like he, he's only concerned. I know Some, women are thinking it right now as they hear yeah. you talk about this it. Right. I'm, going get, I'm going to get DMs asking about <laughs> There's more of them to come. There, there are a lot more young men, you know, even if it's just amongst their friends, I'm coming across a lot more young men that are kind of shrugging and saying, why are we putting women on the conveyor belt for them to go to harm? Oh, with I, find, 
I often find men understand some of this stuff, even like with trans ideology, yes. they, they like get things like, yeah, duh, instead of the like, but we need to make sure everyone never has their feelings hurt. You know, the whole, the whole thing we do. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so you become the registered midwife. You're working as an independent midwife though. So you're doing home birth. Yeah, that's right. So I am going to make it through like the crazy time of the trainings and the L and D and all of that. And you find a spot for you. You're I do. Seems, yeah. Sounds pretty good. Sounds so pushy. That's right. That should be the end of the story, right? <laughs> well, I already know that you and I are two kindred of spirits that that would not be the end of the story. It'd be fine. Like happily ever after, right? No, it's not because there's this enmity I, I noticed between NHS midwives and independent midwives. Uh -huh. And then there's this cockiness amongst the, some of the independent midwives. And now everyone's going to say, Oh, Kemi, but there is, is it's, it, there were still times we were very trusted. Yes. We've got gold standard care, but there was still an element of disrespect of the birth process uh -huh. that was in there. But I'll tell you something, independent midwives, I, I don't care what anyone says. I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen who become private midwives, whatever. Independent midwives are the absolute cream of the crop. If you're going to have a registered midwife, if you're going to have, I've seen them advocate like nothing before. They, they are, they, it, you know, like people say, it's a famous saying, you know, um, trying to organize independent midwives is like trying to herd cats. And I'm, and I'm proud of that, you know, however, there's stuff that our registration body, nursing and midwifery council are co-signing, which is absolutely unforgivable. Did you read that famous statement, um, that the nursing and midwifery council made about how abominable it is that women should be asked to go into hospitals, um, wearing masks and have their partners stay outside of the hospital unless they submit to vaginal examinations to get them in. No, you haven't read that statement because it doesn't exist. Okay. The nursing and midwifery council who are supposed to be there for the protection of families and to support midwives don't care what's happened to birth in the last almost two years. They don't care. Okay. The other thing, the gold standard midwives, independent midwives in this country have had problems with insurance for years. Since we joined the EU or we were part of the EU, there was this directive that said that to, in, to provide birth care, regardless of whether parents want to write a disclaimer or not, we can't do it without paying some big wig insurance company who don't give a fuck about birth outcomes for premiums, okay? The Nursing and Midwifery Council to protect the only real bastion of gold star standard care didn't say a thing. Don't care. They don't care. So now independent midwives don't exist in the UK anymore unless it's for antepartum or postnatal care. When where we shine is the amount of times we prevented transfer, hemorrhage, poor outcomes, uh, assisted twin birth, breech birth, everything in the home. So they lost their ability to have insurance coverage? Is yeah, that because, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, and, and, and the Nursing and Midwifery Council colluded with that whole thing because what they wanted us to do is to shut up, be very good girls, go back into the NHS yeah. and follow the NHS employer rules because they're not about the well-being of the woman and the child. That's just them being employers and being assholes. So the independent so, midwives that do exist are just operating outside of insurance. So the you you can't call yourself a midwife if you're on if you're not on the register. You can't stay on the register attending births oh. as an independent midwife without the insurance. Gotcha. None of the insurance available. So you either have to become a private midwife, okay. um, which is a company that's kind of employing independent midwives, or you have to have um, managed to somehow get covered by a hospital, 
but in which case they're the ones that are giving you the parameters about who you can look after so the true authentic midwife that you've that term which i love as well but i'm not allowed to use the term midwife in this country because i'm not on the register anymore took myself off authentic midwife um to be that here you you have to deregister totally yes i mean it's like that here too yeah oh right okay so you totally understand so so i call myself an independent independent midwife as a joke Mm -hmm. totally um or, or, but I usually call myself a birth keeper because if I use the term midwife, they'll want to charge yeah. me some silly amount of money and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So you are years into your midwifery career and are putting all this together. And then do you have, tell me about the like breaking point where you actually take yourself off the registry. The breaking point was I'd had three calls in one week and they were all from people that I'd looked after where someone had called them from the nursing and midwifery council to ask if I'd been their midwife and if I was at the birth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because if people um, had me as their midwife, they might mention it on Instagram or, or a few of them were googleable so it might be in the paper or something else and and if if they were in the papers they would always refer to my midwife they wouldn't say my name because i was very up front with them about the situation so they were they were wonderful and yet like one of them i'd looked after them for the second time so they were kind of aware that i might have been their midwife from the first time and um and they they all received calls and you from... weren't supposed to be attending because you didn't have insurance that's right exactly yeah, so you were in like a weird suspended state kind of i was in a suspended state because i i when the insurance was vanishing because right. we had like a two-day period we thought we'd had it arranged and then on the 28th of june and and so we thought we'd had it arranged, an alternative. Then on the 28th of June, they told us, oh, yeah, you only have to pay a premium of seven and a half grand per birth. And, and you're fine. That's all you had to do. <laughs> That's all you had to do. And so and then our insurance disappeared like two days later. So um, I but I'd already been telling them all the throws of it from earlier that year so when it all came about it was really easy for them they said well i'd rather give birth in the middle of piccadilly circus with pigeons than than go anywhere other than give birth with you so she said whatever you do all of them they said whatever you do just make sure you get to my birth like like, or or i'm free birthing and that was it and they didn't want a free birth because they'd chosen a midwife Mm -hmm. okay so so I said, well, I'm never going to dump you. So let's see what we can do. And then meanwhile, I was saying, mm, like, how badly do I need this registration? Mm. Do I really want to be associated with the Nursing and Midwifery Council? They're not protecting anyone. They're not protecting midwives. They're certainly not protecting families. They're protecting the NHS, yep. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I, in the end, I, it was just a no-brainer. But it was literally like... It was like wrenching that registration out of me. Is it, it, it's I don't know. It, it took scary. It took longer than it should have done, Emily. Come on, what we know. Come on. It it took me months to actually open my computer, complete the form, and press send. Yeah. Well, were you feeling scared? No, it wasn't fear. It was I knew it was going to be a one way trip. Uh huh. I knew I'd worked so hard for something. And I, 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 I hate having to work so hard for something and then literally set fire to it. So that was all. Once I'd done it, it made complete sense. And now yeah. I'm, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I think it's though because I, I had this term midwife from the age of 15. And, and so it was like almost, almost four decades of dreaming about it, working towards it, being it, you know, becoming it, then being it. So it, to me, it felt like letting go of quite a lot of my identity. But don't let them fool you and think that they own that word. Just because this, the country you live in could get up your ass about it, don't ever forget that that is our word. And it has always been and will always be and is in every land. 
you know? So yes, I get it. I also don't call myself a midwife, a midwife because of where I live. Um, most of the women I know who are keeping authentic midwifery alive on this planet don't use that word. And it's something that we're always contending with of like, do we put that word down? Do we fight for the word? Like, how do we be in this in-between space? Because they don't own this fucking word. They think they do. And they've obviously quite successfully co-opted it in the public eye, but it's a sacred word, you know? And even just like with the word woman, you know, like men are trying to co-opt the word woman, but I love that word. And it's a sacred word to me, you know, or mother or whatever, right? There's so many words that are ours. I mean, we just did an episode around the word witch and the word witch was always our word. And it meant wise woman, just like midwife means in literal translation all over the world. And yeah, it's been weaponized against us. And it's been, you know, it has this whole charge and, and a lot of women who are wise women don't use the word witch because of how it's been weaponized, but it's still our word. And I think there's something, I know it's, I know it's complicated because I think you and I are really on very similar journeys. Like I don't, I don't claim that word publicly but I claim that fucking word, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it can't be taken, even if I put it down and I, and I get creative, like I made up the term radical birth keeper, you know, Janine yes. Baker obviously created birth keeper. And I added the word radical to it to be like, okay, well, this could kind of signal what I'm doing. Cause I can't yeah. say midwife. Cause people think midwife means I'm going to finger them and monitor them. So I can't say that. Kind of where I'm going with this is that we can't forget, even if we put that word down and we say birth keeper and other stuff, what we're doing, our willingness to continue on in authentic midwifery, doing the work of midwifery and keeping that work alive. We have to remember that this is reclaiming midwifery as it once was and as it will be again. And so they can't have that word. Like they can in a way, you know what I mean? It's smoke and mirrors, but we also, I feel like have a duty to keep the word alive in our inner circles with the families we serve, because it is our true word for what we're doing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Do you know this conversation, if, if we only had it for me to hear what you just said. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I will die with that imprinted in my heart that's what we are and i honestly like you say we can play the game of them if we want because i just don't like handing over money for nothing with totally. these things, right well in many um, places it's not safe like you you it is illegal in certain yeah. states in my country or in canada they own the word in this day and time yeah. but also fuck them and no one owns words yeah, you know, that's and like women own this word, you know, yeah. so it's it's kind of that holding it in both ways. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Yeah, and 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 we can do that, right. you know. I, I, I've always known that there are shades of gray in life, I've not always wanted to live that truth, but honestly, it's all gray. And and just what you said to me just now, I'm gonna make sure and pass on to everyone who is walking our walk. Because I never realised that you and I had so much in common. And although I've watched and admired your work, I just didn't know we had that much in common. And we need to be this strong and this true for all the people, because there are a lot of people that I get contacted by, and I'm sure you're exactly the same, that have our calling and are, are in bits doesn't they don't know how to express it where to express it safely where would they be accepted you know if they work in it what will their income be right it's you why know. we started our school and it's why we call it what we call it you know it's an authentic midwifery program that we call the radical birthkeeper school because in our whole initial first couple of weeks is explaining this whole complex time to be in this work and have the word be co-opted, but the work be alive and how to dance in that, but never, ever, ever forget that us attending births is midwifery. 
That's right. You know, and that can't be taken, even if we're going to play with it. And, and I mean, it's very similar to, to, you know, I have many critiques around trans ideology, but, you know, one of them is no, you cannot take my word. You cannot, I will not play this game. It is yes. our word and we need yes. a word that defines who we are on this planet and females are women. And I, I protect that right internally and, and in my life. And it's the same, it's the same kind of complexity in some ways with midwifery. Yeah. Yolanda and I talk a lot about how there's this paradox where we say midwifery is dead, long lived midwifery. (laughs) And that's, that's, you know, she'll, she said it on the podcast that midwifery is dead and the work of midwifery cannot be killed. No, they can't. But we are continuing it behind closed doors, some of us in the public eye, and what is midwifery? And, and actually, and Yolanda articulates this way better than I can, but we would both actually argue that it is not midwifery once you're registered, once you have the state involved and you have wow. a, a daddy telling you how to, you know, how to show up for women. Yeah. Get yeah. out of here with that. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> we never involved men telling us what to do. Like, I know, so I know. Weird and patriarchal and infantilizing, right? So I love this. Oh, wow. That you've been on because you have actually become a midwife by yeah. registering and by yeah. working out where your loyalties lie and yeah. figuring out and claiming that your loyalties are actually with the family. You yeah. are now a midwife. That's the end of the list. And yeah, thank you. And I am now a midwife. It's so funny that you're saying that because I do feel that that decision, um, gosh, it's, 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 it's been a while now, but that decision, I do feel like a door was open to me. In fact, I pressed send on my deregistering form and then I was called 30 minutes later to a birth, which was spectacular. I love it. It was spectacular, and it was it was almost it was almost like a screenplay. Seriously, you should have seen it, right? And and I went and I used herbs for the first time with a with a brisk bleed. So I used herbs because before and you can't use herbs unless you're a herbalist, right? But I'm not on the register anymore. Right. <laughs> so, so so I I took my herbs and and they were used. And so I used herbs, but it was just so, it was so funny the way, the timing of it all, because then I started to really take deep breaths of freedom, like, and then take a big exhale of the weight and and that toxic energy that goes with trying to kowtow to, if not an employer, to a registration body. And actually all you want to do is sit there and keep the space for a magnificent woman. That's all you want to do. And then you can actually show up. Yeah. Completely as a whole, as a whole woman in that space. Yeah. And that's right. is being fragmented like before. I mean, yeah, that's beautiful. It's, it really is being in integrity, right? Yeah. Like integrity defined as wholeness. Yeah. Right. That's and right. I have the very strong opinion that you can't be in integrity and midwifery and be licensed and registered because even like Yolanda again says this better than I but I'll I'll share her concept that she taught me that um if you're licensed you have to betray somebody you're either betraying your licensing body or you're betraying the family right and so that's not in integrity no it's not and if you just take the license out of it and just show up woman to woman now the the possibility of integrity has arrived you yeah. still have to walk through those gates and choose at every moment That's right but it's actually not possible if there's a licensing body involved even if you're trying to be that unicorn midwife yeah. because you will have to abandon either your licensing or the woman at some point right at it's some point yeah, at some point. It oh, is you'll totally time. have births that hang out in the middle where you don't have to do that. But eventually you'll have the 35 weeker or the 43 weeker or yeah. the, I mean, anything, right? Anything, yeah. anything. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately in the UK, okay. So yes, you're right. 
there's an issue if you stay at home with a 35-weeker, you'll probably find yourself answering questions. If you're at home with a 43-weeker in this country, you don't necessarily need to answer any questions. So, so I think that's why it's been slightly easier for me to be on the register for longer than I'd have ever expected to mm -hmm. with the kind of birthing that I've seen done. And I'd say as well that my colleagues that are independent midwives, I've, I've seen them cross all sorts of lives yeah. without a blink, they, they will just do it. So you're right. Um, they, they, I've seen them easily choose to betray the registration totally. rather than the woman. And, and that's what I always want to see. So I know there's some people still hanging out on the register, mm -hmm. but I know when push comes to shove, they'll choose the woman before the registration. And so, and so I, I will, I know they will, they're walking in their authenticity. I, I've gone a step further. Um, I, I, my step suits me because part of being on the register, and this will actually highlight what you've just said, part of being on the register means you can't bring midwifery into disrepute. And when you're talking about midwifery and what's bringing it into disrepute, you know, women being loaded onto the conveyor belt without a question and of no evidence, apparently isn't bringing midwifery into disrepute, right. but me, me talking about it is. Yeah. So, so in a way you're right. I could never have stayed on the register, you know, and, and, and definitely now, now that I'm off of it, now I'm everything, all the truth is coming out. Yeah. You can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't last long. I wouldn't last long. Occasionally when I say things now, I, I, I feel like adding, and just for you all, all of your information, I'm not suicidal. But I just feel like saying that sometimes just in case, just in case I come up missing because. Yeah, totally. That brings it full circle to the first part when we weren't recording. Yeah, seriously. Yolanda's done that in some of her videos. Yeah, I feel you, girl. Okay, so how can women find you if they want to learn from you or work with you or find you on Instagram? Tell us. Oh, thank you. On Instagram, it's my playground. At first, it was like, oh, Instagram's Facebook, forget it. But no, I'm having so much fun there. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm having such a laugh there. So uh, you'll find me on Instagram, Kemi Birthjoy Johnson on Instagram. I've got things, I've got things being offered there on my link tree. So if you want to find out how to get more of me, it's on there. This podcast will be listed on there because it's just so fabulous chatting with you, Emily. And um, I will always be available in my DMs. I know some people, it can be overwhelming. I think with your following, it would be impossible, Emily. But I'm just a nice, cozy 11.5K. So, and also I'm getting my book out. When it's out, we could do an Instagram live about oh, it. I would love to. Be because you, you are the authentic go-to place, you and what you've created for people to realize their power. Ultimately, it's amazing. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your friendship and your presence yeah. today. And it was so fun to discover that we had so much in common. Yeah. All right, girlfriend. All right. Thanks. Take care. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival, withstanding the eradication of our power by design.
I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from